Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson-Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today I want to introduce Susan Rose to you. And she's an incredible new connection that I've made through Fem City. Now, if you've never heard of Fem City before, you are going to want to check it out. It is all across North America, and I suspect it's growing worldwide. But it's an incredible organization of womenpreneurs whose goal is to help and support each other. And truly, in a spirit of collaboration, and no competition. And so just recently I met Susan on one of the Fem City networking meetings and we really hit it off. Well, you know, when you put two word ninjas together, what else is going to happen, right? Right. (laughs) Let's talk about books all day. (laughs) So Susan honored me by agreeing to come on the podcast today. Now, Susan is a copywriter and email marketing mentor and the owner of Rosebud Communications. She's been doing communications for a long time, but I won't tell you how long. Well, I didn't tell you how long, so (laughs) it's been longer than what I told you. (laughs) But let's say that she is well-seasoned. Seasoned, yes. (laughs) And uh, is really going to share an incredible amount of value with you today. So welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. So Susan, why don't you start off by sharing a bit of your story. How did you get into copywriting and email marketing? I mean, it goes way back, uh, I'm going to date myself here, to seeing all the president's men and having lived through Watergate and being enamored of the journalists. And But you know, once I got into college and went into journalism school, I realized that uh, the more marketing bent to writing was more uh, what appealed to me. Yeah, I've just always... I love writing. I love I love reading from good authors. I've always had some skill for it. So of course, my parents were like, "Be a writer. Be a writer. Be a writer." Um, <laughs> but that's how I. That's so Most parents don't go be a writer. Be a writer. Most parents are like, "Get a job with a steady income." I know, right? Yeah, my parents are unusual for sure. <laughs> my father <laughs> thought I was going to be Ernest Hemingway or something. Uh, I don't think it was going to happen, Dad. But okay. <laughs> So how did you start Rosebud Communications and where did the name come from? The name Rosebud, I mean, my last name is Rose. And so, I mean, it's nothing more complicated than that. (laughs) It didn't come from Citizen Kane. It came from my actual last name. Uh, Friends will call me Rosebud sometimes. But I started uh, when I opened the branding and design agency with my sister 20 years ago. We named it, that was Two Sisters Creative, and Two Sisters is actually kind of Rose. So having Rose somehow in my business name has always been, you know, just what I do. Uh, When we decided to dissolve that partnership and I went on to freelance on my own, then I changed over to Rosebud. 
So was it hard going freelance? Like, was there, was there a period of time when you weren't really sure of it? Oh, yeah, like every week. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think I, I say that somewhat facetiously. It's being a business owner, whether that's a freelancer or, you know, whether you're developing a company, it, it's different than being an employee. And there's a certain amount of uncertainty that comes along with it and, and having to your own way. So to me, it always came down to what is the risk factor that I'm willing to accept? And that uncertainty of being a freelancer and being able to pursue the kind of jobs I wanted to be doing was less risky to me than being stuck in a corporate job that I hated, despite the fact that that corporate job had a very steady paycheck with it. So it's all really how you look at risk and how you look at what you're doing. And, um, but yeah, you know, some days are good and some days are bad. Well, and I think too, it's your priorities. So, you know, your priority was job fulfillment over money. Right. Yeah. And that freedom. I'm yeah. a big freedom person. I like to set my own schedule <laughs> as, as many freelance writers do. <laughs> yeah. My schedule consists of getting up at five o'clock in the morning. So not because yeah. I really want to, but I'm at the age where my bladder tells me I have to. And once I'm up, that's it. I may, uh, I'm not going back to sleep. <laughs> I get up at five because I want to. So <laughs> some of us do it because we want to. <laughs> well, I, I've learned to really like it, uh, but it's yeah. frustrating on those days when you actually have an opportunity to sleep in yeah. and you can't like Christmas morning. I'm up at five o'clock Christmas morning and I <laughs> sit there for hours waiting for everybody else to get up. <laughs> I always, my entire life was the first person up on Christmas morning, even when the kids were really young. I know, I me too. I just, I will never not wake up super early on Christmas morning. It's hysterical. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, is I always expected my kids would beat me up, right? And no, no, I'd be sitting there going, oh, come on, you guys, wake up. It's Christmas morning. My sister, when my niece and nephew were young, I'd go over to my sister's house and we'd be up for like hours before the kids. I'm like, what kind of children don't wake up at five o'clock in the morning on Christmas? What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> I think some of it may have to do with the fact that kids get so much stuff nowadays. Maybe. Like when we were younger, you did not get toys and things and stuff like that all the time. No, you so, didn't. Definitely. Yeah. Maybe. Like I don't you got the occasional treats, right? Yeah. But, you know, getting things you wanted was, at least in my household, not a regular occurrence. You know, your birthdays, Christmas, you know, you got clothes, sort of spring and fall. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but that is... Uh... You know, and my dad would buy me the occasional book or something like that. If there was a book I really wanted and he couldn't get in the library, you know, he'd buy, he'd buy us little things and, he, and he'd treat us, but it wasn't like all the time. And I find today's kids nowadays, they just tend to get everything they want. So Christmas yeah. morning isn't as exciting. Right. Yeah. And in my, uh, my spouse's family, you know, we all get together and open presents in the afternoon. So there's no incentive for them to get up super earlier in the morning, <laughs> so, which is very clever on their parents' part now that I think about that. <laughs> so I know today, Susan, that you've come prepared to talk about email marketing. Yeah. So I'm going to let you loose for a bit to talk about what you've prepared and then we'll discuss it. Okay. Well, you know, when we were talking, when I talk to entrepreneurs or people who are first starting, there's really just a couple of points around email marketing that I like to make to for you to be thinking about. 
and I didn't prepare a presentation or anything like that, but, um, but there are three keys. And the first one is that, so I'm sure there are people who are listening to this right now who even said, you know, email marketing and they're all like, eh, I hate it. I don't like getting emails. I don't want to send emails. So I want to impress upon you all that it is a really important tactic to incorporate into your entire marketing bundle. It is study after study, and I'm a data geek, and I don't believe that numbers lie, says that email is a person's preferred way to hear from a company, regardless of the industry. And, and the, you know, this, the actual number varies depending on the industry. But the fact is, is that it's the leading way people want to communicate with you. It is a source that you control and you know you have much more power over your message and more people are going to see it so putting email marketing into your 2021 marketing toolkit i think is a really important thing to do because these numbers are only going to go up they're not going to go down emails nowhere close to dead it's not even like in the hospital it is completely healthy and fine right now so I, I really like to impress that upon people you know it's just got such a good reach the second thing that is important, you know, so once you're like, okay, I'm going to go into the tactic, what do I say? And, you know, there's a lot of stress around that. So as writers, as, you know, authors, as people who are putting out this type of a product, the marketing you're going to do around that is going to be a little bit different. So depending on what the bent of your business is, you know, the key to emails that get opened and read, in addition to the subject line and all that kind of tactical stuff, is being authentic and yes. you know i know that's a word that's beginning to make everybody cringe but it's true you know you want to be yourself because what happens when you follow templates and scripts and everything is that it starts sounding like whoever it was who originally created it which i've got some templates that i give people as a guidepost and i always say please don't actually like use these in their entirety please edit them and make turn them into your own voice in your own business because people feel that, you, you know, if you're yeah. on the receiving end of some sort of templated kind of a message. Uh, people will also feel it if you aren't having fun with what you're writing. Now, that doesn't mean being unprofessional or anything like that. You know, you want to use your voice and the voice that's appropriate to your business. But if you're not enjoying it, if you're sitting there and being like, find that passion that you have found in, in writing your book and whatever that spark is that got you excited about that, put that into your email also, because people are going to feel that and then they're going to be excited about what it is that uh, they're getting from you. Uh, the third point, and you know, on the surface is it doesn't seem like these two things are really about email marketing per se, but the, the fact is, is that if you're sending emails that people want to read and they're kind of excited about it, then you have nailed that channel. So the second thing, and in addition to just really being who you are, is to take a stand. And I'm guessing that most of the, the books that, say, for example, you help people with can uh, have a very strong central point. And if they didn't, like you made sure that happened before it got published. Oh, yeah. See that into the... That happened in the first conversation. <laughs> right, exactly. And so people will do that. They'll come to, to this book that they're birthing and take their stand and whatever their position is. But when it comes to the marketing, they'll back off of that. They'll be afraid of offending somebody or afraid of not appealing to all the audiences or all the masses and everything like that. And then that just waters down the message. And so, you know, that passion you took and that stance you took 
in writing your book also needs to go into the email marketing that you're doing. So you let people see that and let them see what, like, well, what does this person believe in? Mm-hmm. Like, why should I follow, you know, Susan over any other email marketing person? Well, it's because of the things I think about that, whether anybody else in my industry agrees with me or not, or probably even, especially if they don't agree with me about that. So, you know, I think it's really important to, to find that thing that's a little bit provocative. You know, you brought up some really good points there. And, you know, uh, going back to number one is owning your own real estate, right? Mm -hmm. People think, oh, I, you know, social media is the place to be. Well, I can tell you there's a place called Facebook, Jill. Yes. Been there. Wasn't trying to go there. Was not trying to go there. I still have no clue what put me in Facebook, Jill, because they won't tell you. They just said you broke the rules. Great. Which rule did I break? They won't tell you. Yeah. You know, you, you just broke our community standards. Okay. Well, that doesn't help me. Right. So here's the thing. You need to own your own marketing property. And in that, this case, that's your part of that is your email list. When you look at social media nowadays, especially Facebook, I don't know how many times I've seen people post about how few people are actually seeing what they're posting. Less than is, um, no, the, it's a different stat, but Yes, less than 10%, and it might even be around 1% now. Uh, yeah. So Facebook considers that somebody's seen it if it just showed up in their feed. Yeah. So I don't know about you, my feed is crazy. So just because yeah. something like made it into my feed does not mean I ever saw it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I mean, I'm a busy entrepreneur. I do not sit on Facebook all day. No. Now, by the same token, I mean, you know, with, let's be honest with email marketing, you know, um, you know, emails that you send out a hundred percent are not going to open. So what would, what, what is considered a good open rate on an email? Yeah. So, uh, again, this is somewhat varies by industry, but 20% is considered like if you're hovering around 20%, then you're okay. There's minor things you can be tweaking. If you're consistently way under that, then there's something off with your message or your subject lines or something else to look at. If you are consistently over 20%, you are doing very well with your email marketing. And then click-through rates, because there's the two things to look at. There's the open rate, and then there's the click-through for whatever your offer is. And standards around that are around 3%, maybe Mm. 3.5%. So these numbers, they feel low, uh, but the more you engage, the more you have the right people on your list, the more you're sending them uh, relevant content, the more those numbers are going to go up for you. And, and, and that's the thing with email marketing. It's like everything else with building authority. It's something that takes time. It takes effort. It takes consistent action. You know, like you can't email people once a year and expect sales. No, you're not. (laughs) You know, there has to be that consistency and you, and you have to be growing it. Right. And, and consistently in, in doing content and, you know, I remember hearing several times that, you know, not every email should be about sales. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you like know, them maybe like, yeah. So in any marketing, but in email too, it's like you want to give value. People sign up for your list because they want promos and offers. So if you have, if they're a product company, you promise offers, that's great. Most of the people on here are going to uh, be number two reason. And that is to get exclusive content that they can't get anywhere else. So I'm always telling my list that it's like what I send to my list. I don't post this on social media. And I know that a lot of people do. I have some people I follow who they put it on LinkedIn and they put it on just Facebook and then they send it out an email. 
people want something that they can't get anywhere else. And that's for, I think most of the people on this call, that's what it falls into for the reason somebody got onto your list to begin with. And then the third reason is people just want to support you. They, they like you and they're going to be an evangelist cheerleader, which are also important people to have on your list. You know, I have, I, I know who they are on my list. I've got my evangelists who always open my messages. They're never going to be a client. We're not a fit, but they are wonderful cheerleaders. And so they open my emails to like you know, my authority with the email service providers. <laughs> I love it when someone sends you an email back and tells you how much that email meant to them. Right. It's a really good feeling. And so, and that's a good segue into, you know, so not all your emails are going to be about sales, but everything should have a call to action because you want to be getting engagement from people. One of my most frequent calls to action is to ask people to reply to that message and answer a question or to share something that gets you talking because again, you know, emails are are about relationship building. Right. And so, you know, you've got the face to face, you've got talking like this, and then you've got all of your written content or other things. So if you think about email, like I'm talking to my friend, this is an intimate form of communication. And it really is these days because people don't give up their email address very easily. It is, I saw a study somewhere that said they find it as valuable as their social security number. And then the reluctance to, give it up. So, you know, they're putting trust in you and trust that you're going to deliver good content. You're not going to spam them. So you want to get a conversation going. So, yeah. you know, asking somebody to reply to you and then you like take the time to actually reply back to them is a wonderful way to get that conversation going. And I've made friends with people who I didn't know when they joined my list and, you know, and we've gotten to know each other because I replied because they said something and I replied back. Well, I don't know about you, but I kind of have my junk email, you know, like if I'm not sure I can trust someone to get the junk email address, but I never. Oh yeah, I have, a, I have, and most people do. And, and if you ever, it's kind of a fun exercise to look through your own email list and spot the junk uh, yeah. email addresses. So, you know, and, and so you're always going to have some of that, like the email's not about completely preventing all of these things. No. That do to, that's why open rates are low. Mm-hmm. It's because you have a certain amount of junk emails. Uh, and, and that's why you want to clean out your list periodically. If somebody hasn't opened an email from you in a year, get them off your list because they're hurting your open rates. And they're not giving you an accurate uh, perception of your open rates. If yes. you have you know, a thousand people on there who are from an old list and they're not interested and they haven't opened anything in a year or two years, they're not serving you. And no. it's not like making, it's not serving you whatsoever to keep them on that list. So uh, purge them and watch your open rates soar. <laughs> so something else I was thinking of in terms of email marketing and, and you brought up the authenticity and can you talk a little bit about telling your story? Because I think that's an important element um, in your email marketing, maybe some do's and some don'ts. Yeah. So telling your story is always very important. We live in an age where people want that. They want to know you. Uh, so, you know, emails need to come from a person. They want to feel like you are sharing a part of who you are with them. So my do's for telling stories are to understand who your audience is. So what I like to say, the short thing or the thing to take away is people want to know your story. They care about your story only in as much as it pertains to their pain or problem that you're helping them solve. Yes. So telling random stories, unless you can tie it back into how you help them and what you're doing for them. Uh, you know, that might be fun every once in a while, but mostly they don't care. A lot of people on your list. So if, if that's all you're ever doing. So, so stories, you know, also are, you go down into 
the muck because usually a lot of stories in business are around um, a mistake you made yourself or a challenge or something. But you just touch on it and you come back up. People want solutions. They don't want to wallow down in there with you. So if you are still in the story, if you had a bad experience and you're not on the other side of it yet, and if you don't know whether you're on the side of it yet, you're not on the other side of it yet. I, you, it's not time to be talking about that particular story yeah. in, in your marketing. So how personal you get depends on your business. So I can't blanket, you know, say what to talk about or what not to talk about, but just go back to understanding who your ideal client is or the stream yeah. client is and understand what they care about and what they're struggling with and what in your story can address that. And in mine, it's not always um, something personally that happened to me. Like last spring, uh, I was going for a walk in the woods and I came upon a very recent forest fire. Like it was still smoldering. And so I took some pictures and that became the base. So I told the story of this walk and stumbling upon that and what I had seen. And, you know, it was all like this rebirth and regeneration. And you know, I tied it into what my clients go with. So, you know, that kind of story totally works. Uh, so it doesn't always have to, you know, it was only about me and as much as I was going through on a walk in the woods. Uh, but yeah, always, always come back to what your clients care about. It's like writing 101 section one. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's, it's not about telling your whole story. And even when you tell a story, especially in an email, you know, um, you, you don't, you're not telling every detail. And I think something you and I talked about in the pre-interview was all the preamble sometimes that we put in and yeah. the fact that many times you can start the story right where it starts. You don't have to give all the, yeah, you don't need the backstory. You don't need the detail a lot of times. And so one of the things, uh, just kind of one of the hints that I have given uh, people I've mentored over the years is go ahead and write the whole thing down. Just like get it out of you mm -hmm. and then go back, let it sit for a day and then go back and read every sentence. It's like, does this matter in the end? Nope. Does this matter in the end? Nope. And you just keep taking out those sentences until you get to the part where like, okay, they, they absolutely need to know this to hear the point. And the more you do that, the more, you know, a good challenge is to go read what other people are writing and decipher. It's like, did I really need to know all of this stuff in order to get the point from here? And then you'll kind of start seeing what Kim and I are talking about in that. Or even get somebody else to read it. Cause yeah. many times I, I've sent it off to a friend and she's like, yeah, you don't need this, this, you know, and when you, when she chopped it back down, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I guess I didn't really need those extra details. Or if yeah. I've chopped it too much, she's like, yeah, Kim, like, it didn't really make sense. Like, you kind of jumped from A to D, right? Like, so it's always good to have somebody else read it if you're really not sure. Well, you know, that's good for anything. And so, you know, Kim's a writer, I'm a writer, and we're both saying that. It's like, you never grow out of needing somebody to review your work. Now, sometimes we don't always have time for that in the business, but you know, that's really the best thing is to have somebody else read it for you and just say, does this make sense to you? Because what's, you know, we know what we know, yeah. uh, but our readers don't. Yeah. Like I, I'm sure, you know, when you do longer form content, you have like an editor or a grammar person that you work with. Well, it's the same with me. You know, yeah. when I, when I write, I have my grammar guru who, you know, who goes through my writing and fixes up all my grammar, though I got to admit it's getting better over the years after her constantly fixing certain mistakes and reminding me of them. Uh <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, yeah, but I'm still an offer. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me to proofread anything for you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so you know, it's it's always good to get feedback on your writing, especially, you know, in the beginning. You know, have people read it and don't take feedback as criticism, right? It's oh, just feedback. It's just, okay, this isn't working. You know, it's got to be made better, right? It's not a criticism of you, your skills, whatever, right? Yeah. And here's the thing. Your skills improve as you do it. And the only way you're going to improve is if you get feedback. Yes, I agree completely. Listen to this woman. She's right. <laughs> You know, like, and one of the places I learned that was Toastmasters. Yeah. Because my writing was strong and my speaking wasn't bad, but there was, you know, my writing was better than my speaking. So a few years ago, I decided to join Toastmasters to increase my speaking ability. Yeah. And one of the foundations of Toastmasters is, is feedback. Yeah. So when you do a speech, you know, they tell you the really great, they tell you the good. And then they say, okay, here's a couple of things that you can do to improve, improve your speech for next time. Right. And that's how you, by the way, give feedback. It's not like, oh, this stinks. Or I don't understand this. So that's not helpful. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, what's missing? well, the other thing too is, is that, you know, sometimes your family members are not the best people to review your writing. Yeah. Um, because first of all, you want someone to review who understands who you are, who you serve, your business, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. And family members can't always do that. So, you know, if you have an entrepreneurial friend or, you know, even if you hire an editor and it doesn't always have to cost you a lot of money to hire an editor, especially if it's just like a, a blog post or an email or whatever, right? But to get that feedback, and I've done that with a few of my clients because um, they were writing blog posts. So I kind of included it in the package when writing their book is they'd send me their blog posts and I'd go through and I'd fix up some grammar. I mean, I've got to admit, editing is not my strongest suit. Grammar's not my strongest suit. But I do recognize some basics. So, but my job was to go through and just revise it and elevate it a little bit. Yeah. And their writing improved as we worked on their book. Yeah, it does. It totally improves. And yeah, great advice to get somebody to look at your stuff. And that goes with the emails also to kind of circle back to what we've been talking about. It's uh, yeah, all that, all that is important. <laughs> <laughs> so Susan, how can people connect with you if they've heard um, what you've had to say and they're interested in learning more about email marketing? Um, how the, can they connect? Well, they can go to my website, susanrose.net. And I do have a download that is this sequence, the series of the, the welcome sequence. Uh, so as long as you scouts promise uh, to edit it to your own voice, <laughs> I give you all the link. And that's susanrose.net uh, backslash warm hyphen welcome. And that just sets you up because when people come onto your list, you want to welcome them there. Welcome them there. Because <laughs> that's when they're most engaged with you. And so that's the the actual series of five emails that you would send them and then go into whatever your normal nurturing sequences. Well, thank you so much, Susan. I have totally enjoyed this conversation today. So this has been Susan Rose and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, if you want to find out more about becoming that authority in your niche, hop on over to Facebook. I've got a really good interactive group called Author to Authority, really easy to remember. And uh, do a lot of teaching and training in there. And uh, we also have fun. 
if you like wordplay, we play around with words in that group. And so, um, and I also want to give you opportunities to shine. So this group is also about promoting your expertise. So if that's something that interests you, go to author, uh, sorry, Facebook and type in the search author to authority. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift for you. I'd like to invite you to download a sample of my newest book, Author to Authority, coming out this year. If you enjoy the podcast, you will enjoy learning how becoming an author can change not only your life, but your business as well. Go to www.authortoauthority.com forward slash free dash sample. So that is www.authortoauthority.com forward slash free sample. Have a great day and stay safe.